If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A major development in the so-called Long Island serial killer case. In the last days, yet another woman has been positively identified. A 34-year-old woman. What more do we know? And how long till her body will be linked to Rex Hewerman, now charged in the murders of three of the so-called Gilgo Beach Four, but there are many other bodies. In this particular case, Karen Vergata is the most recently named victim. Her legs were found uh, several miles away at Davis Beach. Her skull is found at Gilgo, where the other victims have been disposed thrown away like trash on a remote stretch of beach. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. What do we know? First of all, take a listen to our friends at NBC. Even though accused serial killer Rex Hurman sits in jail awaiting trial, there are still many unanswered questions in the Gilgo Beach murders case. At least 11 bodies were discovered on Long Island over a decade ago, and Hurman is accused of killing three of the women. Today, a breakthrough. We are here to announce that as part of the Gilgo Task Force re-examination of all the evidence in the case, we were able to identify Fire Island Jane Doe as Karen Vergata. With me an all-star panel. But first, I want to go to a special guest, Joseph Jacqueline, former NYPD sergeant, cold case investigator, and author of The Cold Case 
Handbook and the Criminal Investigation Investigative Function, a guide for new investigators. You can find him at josephjackalone.com. Can we just get real just a moment? We're hearing Rex Hewerman is not being linked to this newly identified skull. But what's the likelihood? What is the likelihood, Joseph, that another killer just happened to hide a skull so close in proximity to the other victims? I, I don't find that actually practical. Um, I, from the very beginning, I was a firm believer in one serial killer, not to using the same location to dump their bodies. So, the, Yeah, they have who a, came up with that theory? Where did that come from? Well, the theory actually um, I've been floating for a long time now is that the individual who was responsible for all these killings changed his MO over the years due to technology. So he, there was a reason he had a dismember bodies in the beginning. He picked up these women, probably who were streetwalkers at the time, and was worried about somebody saw them get into his car. Or, okay, wait. Did you say streetwalker? Yeah. I haven't heard that since I read it in a novel in the 10th grade. But I like it. Feel free to continue saying streetwalker. <laughs> you mean, as they now say, sex worker. I don't think we're supposed to say hooker or prostitute anymore. But you know what? You say tomato, I say tomato. What I don't like about it, uh, Joseph, is that somehow their lives are devalued because they're a hooker. These are also mothers, sisters, daughters. You know, I don't care what my daughter did. I still love her. I may not like what she does, but I love her so much. And for them to just be slated off as, oh, they're sex workers. They're a lot more than that. But that said, go ahead. Why you think it's one serial killer that changed MOs? I'm very interested in this. Well, so he, he had to pick them up off the street. So the, the issue that comes down to is that he, they, he was in need for disposing the bodies by dismembering them because he was worried about it. So even if you look at the Peaches case where, you know, not only was she dismembered, but he was trying to remove a tattoo. He wanted to make everything impossible for the police to identify these women so that he could keep on going, doing what he was doing. And then along comes the Internet and along comes burner phones. And he's now able to what he believes to be anonymous, where he can pick up women on the Internet without having to worry about anybody tracking him down and then use uh, a burner phone to communicate with him. So there was no need for him at that moment to have to dismember them. And that's why we could all have agreed in the very beginning of this case that the Gilgo Four, the four women found in close proximity, wrapped in burlap, that they were all killed by the same person. The other cases are going but to be there are much a lot difficult. more bodies, Joseph. What, what, what was that last thing? I said the, the, the rest of the victims are going to be much more difficult to prove because not only are they old, but we don't know if there's any DNA available like we saw with the Gilgo Four. Interesting. Uh, Jen Smith is joining me, Chief Investigative Reporter, DailyMail.com. Hold on, Jen. One quick question to Josh Zeman, filmmaker and producer. And you may wonder, why am I speaking to a filmmaker and producer? <laughs> well, he's the director of The Killing Season. And I've got to say, it's incredible. It's an eight-part series on the Gilgo Killer. And this existed before Rex Hewerman was arrested. Zeman's been on the case for a long time and tying to victims uh, back in the in the area from 2017. Josh Zeman, I'm very intrigued by what Joe Jacqueline just said, that based on technology, the Long Island serial killer changed his M.O. 
I agree with that, but I also think that he got away with killing and dismembering and then decided that he didn't really need to dismember anymore. Maybe he got comfortable in his killings. Maybe he thought, wow, nobody's caught me yet. Hey, I'll just keep going. I'm not, I don't know if it was just technology or his own psychopathy. What do you think, Josh Zeman? Um, I would say probably both. I mean, you know, it's just so interesting. It, it takes a lot of work to dismember a body, right? Uh, and we know the women, some of those dismembered bodies were found in plastic bags. The question is, where did he do that? So I think, yes, uh, definitely. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. I know about the burlap bags. Yeah. We all know about the burlap bags and that one of his, Rex Ewan's hair, was allegedly found in one of the burlap bags with the dead body. Yeah. But what can you tell us about plastic bags? Well, let's look at Karen Gervada, uh, Bergada. She was found, uh, or at least her legs, tragically, were found in a plastic bag. That bag was floating in the water. Uh, So, you know, that's one example. Um, Jessica Taylor, whose torso was found in Manorville, was found on plastic sheeting. Uh, There was another victim found in a Rubbermaid, this is Peaches, who was found in uh, Hempstead Park, was found in a um, cooler. So, you know, he's wrapping the body parts, tragically, in some kind of something, plastic, plastic sheeting. So, you know, we have to assume that this is a very complicated process. So if he gets lazy or comfortable or what have you, uh, you can see why he wouldn't. I mean, he's since 96, he hasn't been caught. So, you know, he's got 10 years of not having been caught. So, yeah, maybe that changed part of his M.O. But I also believe Joe is right with regards to the technology. It's so interesting because sex workers were actually one of the first people to, like, go on the Internet and really use it for uh, messaging on message boards, putting ads together. If you go to the history of the Internet, sex workers were an early, early adopters. You know, I'm thinking about everything you're saying. I could listen to the two of you, Josh Zeman and Joe Jacqueline, all day. But I have an incredible panel joining us. Uh, to you, Cheryl McCollum, founder and director of the Cold Case Research Institute, star of a new hit podcast, Zone 7. You can find her at coldcasecrimes.org. Cheryl, no word can make me happier than plastic right now. When you have a plastic sheeting, plastic wrap, a plastic bag in water, uh, even a cooler that is very likely made of plastic, of hard plastic, It's such an excellent conduit for fingerprints, even if it's been in water. Absolutely. A lot of times people think that they're going to wrap something or encase something, and that's going to destroy evidence. A lot of times it actually preserves it. And what we're seeing here, when you're talking about a skull being found in one place, torsos in another, legs in another, the transport is key to me. This person, this killer, had a way to not only dismember, but to individually transport those body parts to different locations, that's critical to understanding who this person is. Okay, I asked you about plastic and you're telling me about transport. Why? But it's critical because that's how he's transporting them. They weren't just put in there and put on the outside. They transported them this way. And that's what I'm saying is critical. Hair, 
fingerprints, other biological material on the victim would be key. Dr. Tim Gallagher joining me, medical examiner out of Florida, lecturer, University of Florida Medical School, and founder of the International Forensic Medicine Death Investigation Conference. And you can find him at pathcaremed.com. Dr. Gallagher, thank you so much for being with us. I've got so many things to talk to you about because uh, Karen Vergata's skull is found at Gilgo. Her legs are found at Davis Beach. But what I want to ask you right now is we've all heard the phrase uh, oil and water. They go together or they don't mix like oil and water. The reason that fingerprints on, for instance, plastic, which is such a great medium, a great conduit, for evidence is because of the oil in the human body. When you touch something, it's the oil markings that show the swirls on your fingertips. That's how it works. And on plastic, even if it's been submerged in water, that oil may very well still exist. Well, that's true, Nancy. The body, especially the skin, produces a large amount of oil for the lubrication and the uh, suppleness of the skin to keep it that way. But that oil is excreted through every pore on the body. Uh, and if that uh, finger comes in contact with any surface, especially a plastic surface, a smooth surface, that oil will be deposited. That print will be very readily available for identification uh, using the proper techniques. So, uh, plastic is always a good thing to find at the scene, especially when you're trying to identify somebody or uh, a suspect list. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Don't let a bad mattress stand between you and a good night's sleep. Lisa Mattress can help. From memory foam mattresses that hug in all the right places to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer incredible comfort and support at every price point. Collectively, their mattresses have over 20,000 five-star reviews. Delivery is free, returns are easy, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your own home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress 
for being our partner. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Straight out to Jen Smith, Chief Investigative Reporter, DailyMail.com. Jen, thank you for being with us. What happened? Well, I mean, we're just moving through this investigation bit by bit. This most recent discovery of Karen Bergasa being the woman whose body was found, you know, this takes it all the way back, this investigation, to 1996. That really changes the game in terms of Rex Hureman and the case against him. We have to think about where he was in 1996. What did his life look like? Could he be responsible for all of these deaths? And we do know that he was living in Massapequa Park back then. So this most recent development, positively IDing this Jane Doe, who's a poor woman who was dismembered all the way back in the 90s, really broadens the scope here. Guys, I want you to take a listen to this. In 2010, police discovered four bodies on Gilgo Beach. Rex Hureman is accused of killing three of them. Police believed at the time they had a serial killer. In the search for more victims, they found Vergata's skull just over five months later. But no ID was made until Suffolk County officials assembled a task force. The DA says that no one reported her missing. Her family may not have been looking for her. The FBI relied on that large DNA database that now exists to identify her. Ewerman has not been charged in Karen Vergata's murder. Here's the road that led to her identification. In August 2022, a DNA profile was developed for genealogy testing. In September 2022, the FBI loaded the profile into a genetic genealogy database. In October, a Vergata relative was identified and asked for a DNA swab. You are hearing our friends at NBC and PIX11. So that is how she, Karen Vergata, was identified and given a name so many years later. Remember, she goes missing in 1996. She lived in Manhattan on 45th Street. She goes, dis- she goes missing on Valentine's Day, 96. What happened? She was not reported missing. Her name not heard until now. Uh, Another curious angle before I get into the complexities of the DNA to Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Dr. Angie, I'm going to give you an anecdotal scenario and then you can explain, I'm sure. In many cases, and I didn't understand it until I was on, I don't know, my seventh, eighth, ninth murder prosecution. I noticed that very often victims would be covered up. They'd be wrapped in something. They'd have a blanket over their face. Sometimes something as um, rudimentary as putting leaves or limbs over the face specifically, sometimes the whole body. If a shallow grave wasn't created and used as a disposal, the victim would be just somehow covered in some way, not always, uh, 
but very often. I've even covered a case where a woman is found dead in her home, in her bed, and a wicker trash can had been put over her head. What does that mean? Because here, many of the victims are wrapped in plastic. One is in a cooler. What does that mean psychologically? I think it signifies a couple of different things, Nancy. One of the things that it could unconsciously signify for the, for the murderer is a finishing, a completion of what he has done and a burial, which is a completion of the act of murder. Okay. So, and it's unconscious. They do this unconsciously to finish what they have started. The covering of the face is to make the person who has been murdered seem less human to the murderer. Okay. So it's, it's kind of a two pronged thing, but it's, but I know it sounds weird to people because somebody would dismember and, and murder these people horribly, but then unconsciously they want to bury them to finish it. It's, to me, it's very much like keeping a souvenir afterwards. So they, they bury the body, they complete what they have done. So in their mind, it's finished. Okay. And of course, like I said, the covering of the face is to make them less human to the serial killer. Make them less human. Hold on, I need to write that down. Make victim less than human. Okay, with me, a veteran trial lawyer, Bernarda Villalona, worked in Homicide Bureau with a prosecutor on the Gilgo case. Now, that's interesting enough right there. But this woman knows her way around a courtroom. And you know, you don't hear, Jackie, have you noticed lawyers don't really compliment each other very much? Yes. So when you hear one lawyer say about another one, that's a fine lawyer, or that's a veteran trial lawyer, that is a huge compliment. Um, she's a New York criminal defense attorney now, sadly. Uh, you can fi find her at Violona Law. Dot com. Bernarda, you know, I'm listening to what Dr. Angie Arnold is saying from her point of view as a psychiatrist, and I'm not finding fault with anything she's saying, but there's something else, and I don't quite know how to describe it. I've experienced it, and I've seen literally thousands of other people experience it as well. When you, as you had to do, as did I, are presenting a case to a jury or investigating a homicide, you go to the crime scene, you see the dead body, you go to the autopsy, maybe you see the dead body. But I've noticed it when jurors see the crime scene photo, they see the dead body very often. It's very visible. They wince, they close their eyes, they look away. I think the killer, even though they're the one responsible, they did it. I think it's hard for them to look at the dead body, much less if the victim's eyes are open looking right back at them. But there's something about looking at a dead body. Nobody wants to do it, except maybe you, Gallagher. But that's a whole nother can of worms. I think, what do you think about that, Bernarda, as a reason for covering the body and wrapping them in plastic and the links that killers go to to hide the body, to cover it up? 
Thank you for having me, Nancy, and thank you for your kind words. So you got to think, Nancy, as prosecutors and even as the trial attorneys, when you're putting in these crime scene photos, these autopsy photos, you're trying to bring the jury back to the scene. You want to make them feel mm -hmm. as if they were present, as if they were eyewitnesses to the homicide itself. So it's hard for the jury to see that, but you want to relay that opportunity and relay those feelings to a jury. In terms of the killer, the actual killer looking away, I think it's probably, I think it's something of, I don't think it's regret because they come back and do it again anyway. That's how Rex Human came back and did it again and again and again. Is it something that maybe at that point he feels some kind of remorse? I don't know. Is it a reflection? Whoa, is whoa, it, is it whoa. a show for now, the jury? He's not feeling not remorse. Because <laughs> if he felt remorse, he wouldn't keep doing it. Exactly. But I do know there's something instinctual, instinctive about recoiling from a dead body. Okay, you know, Josh Zeman, there's only one thing I don't like about you. You don't jump in enough. How many times have I told you guys that this is not high tea at Windsor Castle and Jack alone? I, what? You're always so outspoken. I don't get it. Uh, Josh Zeman, th there's so much happening right now. But I think one thing I would be looking at, and I want to hear from you how you think this fits in. I believe that, um, I still haven't even gotten to the DNA, that now the prosecutors have gone back to Rex Hureman and asked for another buccal or buckle squab, swab taken out of the mouth. Uh, Josh, don't you believe that right now investigators are investigating how Vergata advertised. However, she advertised. It's not like they went to elementary school together with Hureman. How did she advertise? Can it be reconstruction, reverse engineered, and find whether Hureman contacted her? I don't know if those records can be found. I don't know what existed in 96. Certainly not, you know, the websites, uh, the escort sites that exist today, but how do you think they're going back to 1996 and putting this back together again? I mean, the obvious choice, Josh, is find DNA on this woman that links her to Hureman, but what if they can't? That's a tough one. 1996, so many years ago, 26 years ago. And by the way, Hureman would have been 32 at the time, which is pretty right on the money. Um, but See, by the hey, way, hey, 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 not everybody speaks serial killer. So what do you mean by that? <laughs> 32 right on the money. 32 uh, average male age of a serial killer starting first kill is 28 and a half. So 32 is pretty close to that. You know, we have to assume that he didn't when we're talking about the Gilgo Beach four, he didn't start killing in his 40s. So, you know, 96 kind of makes perfect sense. Um, going back to one of your earlier questions. You know, look, he's leaving torsos in places where they can be found. Uh, he's doing that with Jessica Taylor. He's doing that with Peaches. So I think in this case, we might not be dealing with covering as a way to kind of dehumanize the victim. But I think we also might be dealing with a way that he's pulling law enforcement away from his quote unquote, and I hate to use this term, but I know nothing better, trophy garden in Gilgo Beach. Oh, gosh trophy garden you're referring to all of the remains as the trophy garden yes wow so you're thinking that when he rides by gilgo that's when he looks at the trophies on a shelf absolutely i mean he went there 
as a child. We know he went there and went duck hunting with his father. He continues to duck hunt. You know, this is a special place for him. Okay, everybody be on notice. I'm stealing that from Zeman. I'll probably spout it off everywhere. Um, gosh, it's Trophy Garden. I was thinking, Josh, and all of you serial killer experts jump in. When I think of a trophy, I think of a piece of jewelry, a pair of underwear, an, an item, uh, a, a driver's license, something that belonged to the victim, a hair ribbon, a barrette, a ring. I didn't think of his trophy garden being Gilgo Beach itself. That literally put a chill down my spine. Okay. I can't believe it's taken how many minutes for Cheryl McCollum to interrupt? I mean, Cheryl, please. Come on, I know the man okay. has done an eight-part documentary, but go ahead, interrupt him. What? No, I, I want to tag team with him. So I have a theory of why the victims were facing north. When you're an architect, just like a crime scene investigator, your drafts, your first drawings are north-centered. So that's how he would think of this. If he's doing a project drawing versus a drafting, then what he's doing, if, if he's placing these victims, as y'all are saying, in this garden, to me, those are like buildings. He has set them up like a cityscape. That's why they're all in a line down that a road. That is so smart. Keep talking. But that's Keep talking. Is. Like a cityscape. Exactly. So you think of victim one, two, three, four, they're all in a line. They're all together down this road where he has placed them again due north. Wow. Zeman, what about it? Uh, you know, to me, it's all about hunting. You know, he was a hunter. He had 290, what, six guns. Uh, he was an instructor. Um, Gilgo Beach is a hunting area. Manorville, if we assume that he also is the Manorville butcher, if you go and look at Manorville, it's surrounded by hunting clubs. You know, to me, these are trophies, like tragically again on a wall, or the fact that the four women were laid out, dolls on a shelf. Oh gosh. You know, Dr. Angie Arnold, when I'm listening to everybody on this panel, Bernarda, you, Cheryl, Joe, Josh, Dr. Gallagher, Jen Smith. It almost sounds like um, a murder mystery. It does. Where the killers are absolutely diabolical. But when Cheryl described this as setting their bodies out like a cityscape along a street. And Zeman, Josh Zeman said like dolls on a oh. shelf. It's hard to believe this is real. Mm -hmm. This is really happening. I just want to jump it. in something too. The uh, I believe the only jewelry that was found was on the toddler. So none of the other victims, if I recall correctly, and Josh can correct me on this, had jewelry on them. So we don't know if uh, if the if he kept anything from any of those victims too. That's Joe Jacqueline jumping in. Okay, go ahead, Nancy. What I was going to say is. I, I am just intensely interested in studying this man, in imaging his head. Oh, dear Lord. You know what? I'll <laughs> Save your studies for later. Right now, I'm trying to solve a serial killing. I think that because so much time has passed since Karen Vergata was murdered back in 96, we're going to have a very, very hard time connecting her.
pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Don't let a bad mattress stand between you and a good night's sleep. Lisa Mattress can help. From memory foam mattresses that hug in all the right places to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer incredible comfort and support at every price point. Collectively, their mattresses have over 20,000 five-star reviews. Delivery is free, returns are easy, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your own home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jen Smith is joining me, the chief investigative reporter for DailyMail.com. The other three, uh, the three of the four, Gilgo Beach Four, their MOs are so incredibly similar. They're in burlap bags. The uh, defendant's wife's hair has been transferred to them. One of his hairs is in the bottom of one of the burlap bags. I mean, they're very obviously all the same. The MO changes. In those cases, we have DNA. We also have burner phones and connections to the victims that can be proven extrinsically outside of DNA or lack thereof. In this case, there's not that kind of technology, Jen Smith. There's not, Nancy, but just going back to the similarities between the Gilgo Beach Four and then the, the previous victims, beginning with Karen Vergata, there is one other victim who we, we briefly mentioned, Peaches the toddler. Peaches' mother, we don't know her name. We, we She is still a Jane Doe, tragically, after all these years. The first portion of her remains were actually found in 1997. That's only a year after Karen Vergata. So, sure, the timeline is a little bit more stretched out and then we have you know Valerie Mack, Jessica Taylor and Shannon Gilbert that those come later but we do have a kind of linear chronology here we have 1996, 1997, 2000, 2003, 2007, 8, 9 and, and, and so forth I mean it's going to be harder sure to tie Rex Hureman to these earlier victims 
but it is not so far apart that you can't deduce a pattern. Um, I want to talk about peaches. She had a very distinctive feature, a tattoo on her chest of a heart-shaped bitten peach, hence the name Peaches. And she has remained a Jane Doe. I've seen the photo of the tattoo over and over and over and the question, who is the girl with the peach tattoo? Now, tattoos are very often easily tracked. Who gave her that tattoo and who can help identify her? Right now, I think our best chance of connecting Huerman to Karen Vergata is going to be DNA, since we're not going to have social media connections. Again, she was identified uh, by a, you know, Jen Smith, I'll let you explain how she was identified with DNA through an ancestral family tree. And then investigators got a current day living relative to give a swab and they could identify who she was based on time of disappearance and location. You explain. Yeah, it, it's a strategy that we've seen multiple times. It was actually how they were able to trace Brian Kohlberger in the Idaho killing. Um, they've, they built a genetic, it's called a genetic profile. And they worked their way backwards. It's a very long process. They worked their way backwards from anyone who could have supplied DNA to a publicly accessible database, one of these Ancestry.com, 23andMe, GEDmatch type databases. This will produce hundreds, if not thousands, of potential matches, people you might share a tiny part of DNA with. And then investigators start the kind of old-fashioned, quote-unquote, police work of looking at among all those people who could have been living in the right place at the right time and so forth. With Karen Vergata, this is really interesting because in terms of finding a living relative for her, we know that she had two sons when she died. She had she had a hard life like many of these other victims. She'd actually uh, put the boys up. They, they had, had been adopted by someone else. So she did have genetic relatives, but none that were, you know, frantically immediately looking for her at the time and they actually found her name they identified her last year it was august 2022 and only now has this become public this week following the arrest of rex human but they held her identity back publicly for a year i think they know who they are i think they know who she is who and the reason why is 100 percent. i think they know the identity of peaches Peaches. oh yeah and the asian man oh yeah i think they do too for sure guys i want you to take a listen to our friend stephanie gosk at nbc karen vergata was 34 years old living in manhattan and working as an escort her remains were discovered in 1996 on fire island off the coast of long island police couldn't identify her nearly 15 years later vergata's skull was found here in a wildlife sanctuary miles from the other remains the da did not link vergata's death to rex Sherman. he also didn't say how her skull wound up here in these bushes so far away from the rest of her body what we do know is that where i'm standing is about four miles from gilgo beach 
and more. Take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. Karen Vergata disappeared on Valentine's Day 1996. She is one of nine women whose remains were found on an isolated stretch of beach on Long Island, New York, beginning in 2010. Architect Rex Hewerman has been charged with murdering three of the women. Authorities would not comment if he's a possible suspect in Vergata's disappearance, but their paths could have crossed. Vergata lived on this block in Midtown Manhattan. It's just nine blocks from where Rex Hewerman worked. Cheryl McCollum, please. How many times have I said there is no coincidence in criminal law? All the time. Period. His office, which was apparently the hub of his prostitution activity and contacts, is nine blocks from where Karen Vergata lived. There are no coincidences here in this case at all, Nancy. Not his phone calls, not his internet searches, not where the victims were recovered from, not where they were last seen from. All of these things are going to be connected. And I just want to point out to everybody, we worked cases like Ted Bundy and Wayne Williams without the benefit of DNA. Just because we don't have DNA from him on a case does not mean they're not going to be able to link him to victims. When you have MOs, when you have geography, when you have victims facing north, when you have all the victims being sex workers, all the victims nude except for the Asian male, all of those things are going to give you a totality of what was happening and who was doing it. Also, guys, we are learning that the district attorney has asked specifically for more DNA. The DA is going to watch, uh, hopefully, to video and photograph Hewerman's DNA being extracted. When I say extracted, it sounds, um, I don't know, difficult. It's not. It's a, a buccal or buccal swab, which is like a really long Q-tip being brushed along the inside of your mouth. That's all it is. I've done it myself. I have watched DNA being extracted from a murder defendant when the first sample was not protected by chain of custody. It matched him, but I knew I couldn't get it into evidence. No chain of custody. So I had to have it done again. And I watched it myself and made my investigator, Ernest, watch it as well so I would have a witness. Ernest then took it himself to the crime lab and handed it directly to the scientist. And that is what we're going to have right now. Guys, take a listen to our cut 164. Well, that's a standard, uh, that's a standard practice in, in cases. Um, so uh, I, it's been reported that we got uh, what is known as abandonment samples. Uh, so uh, typically after you make an arrest on a case, um, and uh, you have the, the you have the defendant in custody. You take swabs just to confirm that the abandonment sample DNA sense, uh, profiles are accurate. That is the Suffolk County District Attorney speaking, Ray Tierney to Newsday. Um, I want to talk about that DNA sample straight out to and nancy this is bernard yes yeah, this jump is in. quite common nancy yes yeah def definitely this is quite common in all the cases when i prosecuted cases in brooklyn and homicide cases and even in other regular cases where there was dna there was a dna sample that was left where that needs to be uh tested you will get a direct dna extraction from the defendant because it makes it number one easier to explain to the jury like look we compared and developed a dna profile that 
directly from the mouth of the defendant as opposed to from a pizza crust. So that way it can be easier to explain to the jury and you have a direct hit from the defendant himself. So what the prosecution did in this case is that they filed a motion to compel the taking of the of a DNA sample from Rex Huerman. It's going to be up to the defense whether he's going to contest that. But in a case like this, a judge is going to grant that compelling of the taking of the DNA. What's not common is the videotaping here in New York of the DNA sample being taken from the subject itself. But that is a great idea, especially since you want to show to the jury to try to get a conviction that Rex Huerman's DNA is a direct match to what they found at the scene. Wow, that was a mouthful. And I agree with every single word that Bernardo Villalona just said. Cheryl McCollum, the prosecutor <laughs> doesn't want to stand for the jury and says, here's the pizza crust that we took out of the trash. Purportedly bearing DNA of Rex Huerman. We think this is the crust that he just bit. No, you don't right. want to do that. See, just like Koberger, I think Bernardo said that, in Koberger, uh, Brian Koberger, who is now charged with four murders in the Idaho University Slays, they saw the dad throw out trash. They get into the trash at the dad's home in the Poconos, and they uh, match it to the knife sheath found at the scene of the crimes. And the DNA says right. that the only person that could have left that DNA at the crime scene would be the biological son of the donor, who was Koberger's father. He only had one son, Brian Koberger. They then go, based on that, and they get a warrant, a search warrant, based on probable cause, to do a buccal swab to get that one and five octillion, 5.3 octillion match. That is exactly what's happening here. You don't want to stand in front of a jury and go, hey, here's the pizza. I found spit on it. And we're pretty sure it's Rex Huerman's spit. Uh-uh. That's right. Because the first thing the defense attorney is going to say is you didn't see him eating that pizza. The pizza delivery man could have sneezed on that crust. You don't know. You could still have a killer out there. So it's really important that they get the new DNA and then cross-check it with what they have to show that it absolutely is him. And I'll tell you something, Nancy, when I do this as a working crime scene investigator, I always have a detective or an officer with me, and I get them to turn on body cam. There's going to be no question who I took the swab from or how he was treated during it. That is so well put. Uh, right now, guys, we are waiting on the latest, as many of us have deduced. Peaches another Jane Doe with a peach tattoo, we believe has been identified. Why would a skull turn up on Gilgo Beach where the other victims are, if not the handiwork of Rex Hewerman? We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.
Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.